Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's installment into this series, Resurrection Realities, Decoding the Mysteries of Life. Now, we're going to get a whole lot more into decoding next week, but we had to take you through all of this that we've done so far to really provide you with the basics to grasp what we're, what we're talking about when we get into the concepts of decoding and encoding life. But, but let me just say this. God's a life giver. Every single thing that he has created, he created with the intention of it providing the perfect life for the human race. Now, we have, we've messed that up. We've polluted the earth. Uh, we've done uh, unrecoverable damage to planet earth. But still, everything that's here is always working toward and infused with the life of God uh, and the natural life of our, of our planet, natural life of our solar system. So we will get into that. Now, let me remind you, when we get into difficult times like we're in right now in our nation, there are many people then that want to focus on current events. Now, I have focused on, uh, for the last 20 years and specifically the last 10 years, I focused on these days that would be coming upon planet Earth and pretty much foretold how they would come to pass. Now, I'm not a prophet, don't have a prophet's ministry. I just read the Bible and believe it. And uh, I don't interpret the Bible with current events, but the Bible always reveals the ultimate meaning of current events. But right now is not the time that we shift to looking at all the current events, taking our eyes off Jesus. We always find reasons to take our eyes off of Jesus. And, um, and that's part of what we're going to be looking at today. And when we take our eyes off Jesus, we disconnect ourselves from the life source, from the place where we can get healed, where we can get strengthened, where we can get leadership, where we can get guidance, where we can get protection, where we get everything that we need. Uh, for life and godliness. Now, today I'm going to be talking about what I call the most deadly deception. Now, in these times that we are in, not, a, not only is it important that we understand the need to personally and intimately connect with God, but we've also got to understand that there are deadly substitutes out there. There, there, there are uh, fraudulent representations of truth. And, uh, you know, it's easy to understand when people are out in the world, out in the world systems, how, how they get off the base, how they, how they get in the weeds, as we call it. But uh, it, we really seem to not understand how and why it is that the great majority of Christians can get very little of what they claim to believe to actually work in their lives. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how to avoid this. This is not for the purpose of being becoming critical of other people. This is really for guarding our own heart. You know, one of the most important uh, commandments and prescriptions given in the entire Bible is above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flow the issues of life. 
And so I'm giving you tools and resources to guard your heart from the evil that is outside, but also to guard your heart as far as your beliefs and not allowing your heart to be affected by things that are deadly. Now, we live, Christians live in a world that has devolved. And uh, when you look back over, over history, uh, you know, ever since the fall of man, we see the law of entropy in effect. The world is the world. Everything about the world, morally, uh, uh, biologically, is, is there's breakdowns. There, there is absolute chaos growing in the world on on social levels, on natural levels, and so, so, what contributes to that? And, we don't seem to be able to grasp the fact that everything negative, everything that's destructive is happening in the world is happening because of sin uh, as it was in the beginning, but also because of how we are relating to life, how we're relating to the world, what we're doing to the world, what we're doing to one another, what we're, what nations are doing to nations, what government leaders are doing to, uh, to their citizens. Now, so we have departed from the truth and we, you know, vastly greatly depart from the truth of, of God's word. And so we are in a world for serious Christians who are really seeking God, but they are really getting kind of lost in the weeds. They're not, they, they, they're saying a lot of the words, they're quoting a lot of the right Bible scriptures. They're doing as many things right as they know to do, but for so many uh, believers, their life is still incredibly chaotic and uh, very much not fruitful, if I, you don't mind me saying it that way, which I know is poor grammar. But uh, we have to deal with a deadly deception as believers that, unfortunately, it has been so ingrained in Christianity for the last 1,800 years that the truth is... Uh, we we don't even recognize it anymore. We don't even recognize the the falsehood. So we're going to get into this. And the, the important thing here is, is I'm not going to be focusing on the falsehood as much as I'm going to be focusing on the truth, on the solution. In times of trouble, you do not need to be focusing on things that take your eyes off Jesus and, you know, somehow we're prone to that. We think we can take our eyes off Jesus, put our eyes on what scares us to death. Somehow or another, that's going to help us. No, it absolutely is not. So I'm going to talk to you about the four characteristics of what I consider to be the most deadly deception. And in, uh, in the book of Second Peter, first chapter, second verse, it says this, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there, there are two types of knowledge that are presented to us on a continual basis from pulpits all over the world, from CDs, from videos, from the internet, all, all that. There's intellectual knowledge, which appeals to the mind, but then there is experiential knowledge, which uh, when that experiential knowledge is based on the Word of God, it actually establishes our heart, strengthens our faith, and moves us into the you know, the life of God. And so, so it, almost every time you see the word know or the word knowledge in the New Testament, it is using this word that means to have experiential knowledge. Now, already in this series, I've talked to you about the fact that 
that in the, in the life of God, God tells us how to connect to the life. He tells us, you know, uh, the source of life. And, and so if we just follow that and connect to the source of life, if we follow that connect to God as our source, then, then we're going to experience life. And what's going to happen when we experience life, then we're going to understand life. So then we're going to have knowledge, if you will, but it's, that is knowledge based on experience, not knowledge based on theory. And so, and so the, the strange thing about this knowledge is the fact that even though we understand it after we experience it, we can never explain it to another person using intellectual information because intellectual information can never convey uh, the life of God, can never convey the experiential knowledge of God. And so grace and peace are multiplied to us through experiencing God uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the experiential knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. And there's that word glory again who has called us unto God's reality. And remember, God has a reality. While the world is falling apart around us, we have the capacity to enter into God's reality and enjoy life on a level that is based on who he is and what he has given us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what it's talking about right here. Now, this scripture right here, and actually we could use dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures about this, brings us to the very first way to distinguish between those who are taking you down an empty path of information versus those who are taking you uh, down the path of life where you are restored, where you are renewed, where you are strengthened, and these sorts of things. Uh, you notice that Peter didn't say that he was going to get you to a place where you could get these things that pertain to life and godliness. He says that his divine power has, past tense, given us all things that pertain to the life and the godliness through the experiential knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. So one of the very first trademarks of someone who is trying to hijack your relationship with God who is trying to take you into personal darkness and deception is the is that these people will never tell you that you if you are born again right now you have everything that pertains to life and godliness in other words there's not one thing left for god to do to give you more life and godliness jesus is not going to come back go to the cross again you know there's 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 nothing that god can do and, and so this means that if you have everything that pertains to life and godliness, all that is left, as Peter says here, is for you to engage in that and, and uh, obtain experiential knowledge. But we know that God's a relationship, God, we know experiential knowledge is only obtained through a personal connection. It, is only, it only happens in an exchange and uh, uh and this exchange is what the Bible calls grace. This is a reconciliation where we experience the power in the life of God. So it says, uh, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Now, it's so important to understand 
that you know lust is desire and there's really nothing there are no evil desires in of themselves what makes a desire evil is is where you go or how you go about fulfilling that desire uh you know hunger is not evil in and of itself uh, uh sex is not evil in and of itself none of these things are in are evil in and of themselves unless we pursue these things outside of what Jesus has provided for us at the cross. And so if we do not feel, believe that God is a good God, if we do not believe that, in fact, we have been given the capacity to enjoy everything uh, within the scope of God's creation, then we will look away from God to go to some other source outside of God. We will go to the world system, and we will turn to them to tell us how to have how to have gratification. Now, fake science has totally hijacked the Bible. And so sadly, um, when for so many believers, if there's a statement or a truth that's represented in the Bible, if science or so-called science contradicts that, then people go with the science and not, not realizing that most of the science is not real science. It, 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 matter of fact, there's never been anything scientific that actually disproves anything in the Bible. And uh, more than anything else, the most deceitful of all things that contradict the word of God is, is the theories of evolution, Darwin's theories of evolution. There's not one single thing in our universe that actually supports evolution, because in order to do this, you are told to believe that there is an exception to the second law of thermodynamics, uh, which is the law of entropy, which says that everything moves from order to disorder. And so, you know, Darwin asked us to set science aside. He even said there would be, in his book, he said there would be many places we'd have to set science aside in order to believe what he says. And now this, this is the, the hinge pin of all scientific uh, theory as it, as it relates to man. So, so through the theory of evolution, you get this concept that things are, are not whole and that through time and through suffering and through hardship and all of these things that ultimately uh, living beings are, are refined and actually become better. But the truth is that has never been proven anywhere in the natural world. When we come to Jesus and we are born again, the spirit of the living God makes us new. He doesn't polish us up. He doesn't clean us up. He doesn't make us a, uh, he doesn't just make us a new version of an old thing. The Bible says that uh, uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. And, uh, and so God makes you a brand new creation. He puts, deposits the life of God in you through the Holy Spirit. And the Bible then teaches you how to connect with God to bring this alive inside you, to bring, you know, to bring out everything that Jesus died to give you. So remember, in this, there is information and then there's experiential knowledge. And those, those are the two uh, ways that we can approach God, that we can approach life, that we can use our faith. So if you're using your faith to get something that God has already given you through the Lord Jesus, then through your what you're calling faith, which is not faith at all, because faith is trust, 
and it's trust in what has already been done or what has already been said. It's not trust in what in what someone you know will do, so to speak. And so, so what happens is while we're calling ourselves Christians, so to speak, uh, the problem is we are denying the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We're calling God a liar. We're saying that he did not do a finished work. He did not do these things. And we need for him to come in and finish the job that Jesus was unable or unwilling to finish. Now, I know we don't say those words, but that's really what we're saying. And so, so there's going to be a journey that, that based on who you go to for help or based on what your beliefs and theology is, you're going to either go down this journey where you are going to seek something to provide for you what you do not have, or you're going to go down a path that's going to uh, enter into and experience something you do already have. Now, the second thing that's going to happen whenever you are seeking help from uh, an intellectual information-based ministry, preacher, church, or whatever. Now, let me say something. There's a lot of great preachers out there that preach the truth and, 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 and teach and preach the finished work of Jesus. But sadly, religion has so hijacked uh, Christianity that, that the great majority of, of Christianity is more Gnostic than it is Christian. It's more information-based than it is faith-based. And so the next thing that you're going to run into when you head down the wrong path is that since you don't have everything that you need already through the Lord Jesus, then you need someone special, someone anointed, someone who has revelation knowledge to come to you, to lay hands on you, to impart things to you, to disciple you, and, and to lead you. Now, now, the Bible teaches that we should create disciples, but this goes far beyond creating disciples. This goes into you know, uh, information-based ministry goes into someone uh, that is considered special, that has something you don't have, bringing something to you that you can't get through Jesus, but they're going to they're bring it to you because they are specially anointed. Now, it's kind of interesting, and, and I always dread talking about this, this teaching about the anointing because I don't think that most people that teach about the anointing have a clue what they're really talking about. I believe they have good intentions. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm not saying they are not of God. I am just saying uh, their zeal for the anointing is misplaced because the whole concept of seeking anointing is to get something you don't already have. And so a person who starts down that path and then a person who ministers from that perspective puts themselves in a position that says, I am special. I have something more than you have, and you've got to come to me to get it. Well, interestingly, if you'll go to a PC study Bible, or if you'll go to any, any good uh, computer uh, program that's for free on the internet, you'll discover that in the New Testament, when it talks about anointing, you know, from the book of Romans forward, the only time that it ever talks about anointing you know, it talks about anointing oil. It talks about anointing in the past. But, ever, but, but the one time that it talks about anointing for a new covenant believer, it brings it up in a very negative light. Um, John, the apostle John, he, you know, his primary ministry was to the Gentiles. And as I have said before, the Jews, their, their weakness and what destroyed their faith was ceremony, ritualism, and legalism. 
And so they were, you know, the people that ministered to them had to always help them come out of those particular things. Now, for the Gentiles, though, one of the greatest challenges was Gnosticism. Now, there were a lot of other occult and cult challenges, but Gnosticism was the big thing. And the Apostle John had to deal with Gnosticism in his Gospel of John, as well as in his epistles that he wrote to the churches. And so, so the churches had become pretty much overtaken uh, with Gnosticism. Gnosticism had been woven into the fabric of the Bible and twisted into something that it never was and was never meant to be. So in talking to uh, the recipients of his, of his first epistle, he says, that, and, uh, he says this in 1 John 2, 26, he says, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So, so when talking, when addressing those who, who believed they had special anointings and were teaching the believers to believe they should get a special anointing, he says, these people are trying to deceive you. That's not a Jim Richards doctrine. That's not a Jim Richards statement. That is a Bible doctrine. And again, I don't really think most people that teach about the anointing today are trying to deceive you. I just think that they're very, very theologically confused. He says this in verse 27, if you want to understand the anointing, he says, but the anointing which you have received from him already, it abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. And he's talking about teach you this spiritual knowledge, this this knowledge that other people don't have, this special knowledge that is outside of the Bible that came to them, you know, through special revelations and through their, their anointing. He says, uh, he says, you don't need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, will abide in him. So he is telling you, you don't need anybody to teach you. There's nothing special. You know, we have teachers in the body of Christ, but our, our teachers are not called to convey secret knowledge that is not in the Bible. And I'm telling you, the moment you're ever in a service where somebody starts going down that direction, you need to turn around and walk away. And, you know, it greatly concerns me. Over the last 50 or 60 years, as I've watched it evolve, uh, you know, it got to the, it, to the place and may still be this way. I don't move any of those circles, so I can't say this for certain. But I can tell you this, people would stand in the pulpit or they stand in the church or through personal ministry would bring prophecies and words of knowledge to people that actually violated Scripture. And they actually believed it was from the Holy Spirit. And they actually believed that you should do it in order to get whatever it was that you were needing to get. Well, you know, what happens when a person feels like they have something you don't have, they now have set themselves up as a mediator between you and God. But Paul said in 1 Timothy 2, 5, there's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's not another mediator and you don't need anybody to go get anything for you. This can only be found in your personal connection with Jesus himself. Now, number three is, is these people who say that you don't have everything you need and that you, they'll either tell you you need to get somebody's anointed or that you need a special revelation, secret knowledge. We, 
Yeah, no charismatics and word of faith people call it, uh, 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 they call it revelation knowledge. Well, the concept of revelation knowledge based on the ancient Hebrew and based on how it is used all throughout the Bible is not knowledge that comes to you purely through revelation with no root in the word of God. The, re the revealed knowledge of God, which is actually the proper terminology for it, the revealed knowledge of God has been given to the entire world through the written word of God. And so we don't need special revelations from God. We have the revealed knowledge of God. And with the revealed knowledge of God, it really gets pretty simple because, because we just need to seek God about how we need to apply this to our lives. And we need to trust the Holy Spirit to be the true, the true teacher. Now, 2 Corinthians 11, 12 through 15, gets into the concept that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. In other words, he is going to bring you light. He's going to bring you revelation. He's going to bring you things that you absolutely cannot see. And so then, so, you know, we don't need that. We need people to take us to the Bible, to help us study the Bible. We need people to help us grasp some of the truths of the Bible. But at the end of the day, we're always suppo supposed to take what we read in the Word of God based on how we are sensing it and hearing it in our heart. That's what we take to God and say, okay, in light of this, how do I put this into practice in my life? If you're not seeking to put it into practice and you are headed for trouble, you're headed for deception, you're headed for an unfruitful life. Uh, and then uh, uh, number four is uh, when, when we get the revelation knowledge we have, uh, then, or excuse me, when we get the revelation knowledge, that the special people have, then we'll get the light. And then suddenly the, you know, the miracles will start coming. All this stuff will start happening in our lives. And that absolutely is not true. Light, you know, when people even quote that passage of scripture in John, they usually say, and Jesus was the light of the world and the light was the life. No, that's just backwards. Jesus was the life and the life became the life. What is the light there to do? Well, the light represents a lot of things, but more than anything else, the light should guide our path back to Jesus, and the light should make it where we know and recognize who Jesus is when we see him. And so you got to remember, this, this whole thing about seeking light and seeking anointings, all of this puffs up it is all ego-driven because that's exactly what information does. The mind seeks to guard the ego, and uh, the heart seeks to establish uh, your identity. And so, so the Bible tells us very clearly, John 17, 3 and 4, it says, this is eternal life. This is zoe. That word zoe means the quality of life given by the one who possesses it, that we may know you, talking about God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom uh, you have sent. So if, if anything that, that we're trying to, to obtain from God, uh, it, it, we think it's going to give us something that is lacking in our life, then I got news for you, you're off track and you are set to be deceived because uh, this is life. This is the quality of life that we need. And that's the life that comes through experiencing uh, God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to understand something. Uh, this th this most uh, deadly substitute, this uh, this counterfeit, 
uh, this, this most deadly deception is, is something that Christians who are seriously seeking God, but they're seeking God through information. These are the people that are most susceptible to this, and it leads to frustration that eventually says, I'm sick of getting information. This don't work. I'm going to quit. And that's going to probably be the basis of the great falling away. Listen, I got to run now. Next week, don't forget to be here. Got some great stuff for you. I'm telling you, it's going to build up your faith. Share this with everybody that you think it will help. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.